You are listening to the QSR Web Podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Shelley Whitehead, QSR Web Editor and your host today. And okay, here's the situation. You're relatively new in the States and then you speak three languages. You're just beginning to get English down, but you gotta work and you also really want to work in food service that you love it and have lots of experience. The question is, will that language barrier hold you back? For far too many individuals, that's the case, or they get into a restaurant job and because they're still learning the language, don't get anywhere since any frontline job in this industry mandates top-notch communication skills. That's a problem many restaurateurs, employees, and our guest today, Rachel Nemeth, know well. Rachel is co-founder of ESL Works, which provides mobile-based text-delivered daily English language training for scores of frontline restaurant workers and the brands they serve. And welcome, Rachel. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Oh, we are so happy to have you. Now, I understand you've launched some new programs beyond just the ESL programs to help restaurant brands and workers in these pandemic-ridden days when accurate communication across the restaurant workforce is so essential. Can you tell us a little bit more about those? Yeah, of course. So um, what we do is we work with food service businesses across the country to provide high-impact conversational training to frontline workers via text message, whether that's SMS text message or WhatsApp. Um, the magic happens uh, behind the scenes in, in our software platform. Um, about nine weeks ago, in response to the outbreak, we immediately began to provide text-based COVID training for our customers. You know, with more than 50 million essential workers on the front lines of this crisis, we knew that we needed to do more to support businesses in protecting their employees their customers, their community. And so we have significantly expanded our reach to support all businesses that employ essential workers right now, which we all know in the food service industry um, is such a critical piece of operating safely and and long-term. So we're working with um, manufacturing facilities, logistics, uh, the logistics segment, um, inventory management businesses, and of course, uh, the uh, very agile uh, consumer side, so restaurant groups and food service management companies um, to deliver text-based COVID training to their workforce. That's a lot of recipients of your services. (laughs) Um, I'm wondering how, how welcome was it for you to provide this, to actually be there with it when needed? You know, we really consider ourselves a hospitality business. I know we're a software company, so we're not fooling anyone there, but uh, myself having come from the hospitality industry, for us, it's incredibly important to be able to serve our customers and our community, and quite honestly, the industry that um, I very deeply love and am connected to. So we've really um, been, it's important to us to be a trusted brand and having been out to market for several years now as the provider of multilingual training, 
for frontline workers, um, it was really amazing to see the response that the food service industry had when we said, listen, what we do best is training and we can help. So um, we made the decision to lean into what we know um, can be the silver bullet in times like this, when there's really no single source of truth, it's an incredibly difficult time to know what is right and what is not right. Um, there's a lot of different pieces of information floating around. And so basic COVID training for your workforce can really help um, deliver a consistent message on what's expected and how to keep yourself and your family and your customers safe. So that's the workforce in general, whether mm -hmm. they're non-native English speakers who need some training or not. Mm -hmm. um, but I would think folks who you serve through your ESL programs, that uh, they would be particularly um, in need right now. Is that the case? Yeah, I mean, everyone's in need right now. And I think one thing that's really important to remember is that you know, there's so much, this is an incredibly diverse workforce um, to begin with, pre-COVID, mid-COVID, post-COVID. Um, and so uh, being able to provide training that's accessible to everyone is so critical. It can't be limited to one language. It can't be limited to one type of role or one type of employee. Um, so because we're experts in language, um, it's really been a very seamless process for us to be able to extend our training beyond just uh, limited English speaking employees. Because I think it's important to remember that regardless of whether you speak English as your first language or not, um, outside of that particular barrier, there's tons of other barriers to being um, an hourly worker, right? You have second jobs, you have kids, you have commutes, um, you have varying levels of education. And so that's what we've always tried to do um, well with our training, which is to provide uh, a learning experience that's accessible to everyone. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. And that's a fact that I hadn't even thought about. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if you can give us an idea just how many uh, non-native English speakers there are working in the restaurant industry at any particular point in time? Mm. You know, it's that's a tough number to land on, and I certainly don't consider myself the <laughs> the uh, deliverer of the the exact number. But just from our estimations, um, if you just sort of do the math, you know, the basic math nationwide, um, there's about 130 million. Uh, frontline workers across the United States. Uh, and of course, just in the food service industry alone, there's about 14 million people working in the industry. And from our estimations and from the research we know, as well as the workforce that we work with, about a third of those individuals don't speak English as their first language. Wow. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's eye-opening to a lot of folks, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, can you give us a little idea about how your platform works, how many restaurant brands are using it, and um, how that kind of breaks out between COVID and um, English language training? Yeah, so, so the way that we, uh, our thesis, um, just when it comes to building engagement technology for um, food businesses is that uh, 
we kind of had to start from zero, right? The, the existing technologies out there are great, but they're not all built for frontline workers. Um, and so you have to start with mobile, right? So everything we do from the employee experience to the manager experience is delivered if, to an employee smartphone or cell phone. Um, the way that it works is that a business will sign up for an account um, and uh, a manager is immediately given permission to invite an employee to their training. So that, that um, stakeholder becomes a really key piece in the story here. That connection is so critical with the, you know, the sous chef who's able to, over a simple text message, invite their employee to start training. It immediately creates that connection between those two parties. The employee will receive their invitation. It's customized for that company. Um, they'll accept the invitation and they can kick off their training immediately. And the way that the training works is that um, it's delivered in a series of drills that are delivered um, one time per shift. So it's not disruptive, it's not adding to your labor cost, and a single drill takes anywhere from three to five minutes to complete. Um, the beauty of it is that it's, of course, all delivered over text message, so it's immediately accessible. There's no emails, there's no passwords, there's no apps you need to download. Um, so your identity is your phone number, as well as uh, several um, registration questions we ask to connect you with your employer. So every day, for example, with COVID training, an employee will get um, a training drill that's focused on a single topic. Could be anything from how to properly remove latex gloves to how to ensure you get an accurate temperature reading, how to report an illness, or even things like how to interact with a guest if they're not acting safe, safely, but to respond professionally. Um, so each day an employee will receive this high impact focused topic. Um, they'll be evaluated, so they'll take a quick quiz over text message, and then those results will get pushed back to um, managers and executives so they can get insights on their team's performance. Wow. Um can you give us some examples of brands where you're using this now, both the, the language training and the, um, and the COVID training, and, and maybe some idea of the benefits of the program's use in both a business and even an individual worker sense, if mm. you've got a read on that? So uh, to start with just the customers that we work with, um, we're working with, uh, hundreds of customers across the country representing tens of thousands of employees and um, many of them are uh, have opted in to have worked with us on the English training module as well as the COVID training module and we also have workplace safety module so a business can select um, one module or they can select the whole they can use the whole platform which is this suite of, of targeted trainings for food service industry workers. Um, some of the businesses that we've, we've worked with uh, range from, uh, you know, smaller QSRs, you know, seven to 10 units, uh, for example, um, Takombi, uh, Black Walnut Cafe, which is based in Houston, Fuku, um, to larger chains that uh, span 
the entire country to uh, food service management companies like uh, Guggenheimer, ISS that are serving all of the um, tech companies uh, east and west of the Rockies. So we serve quite a range of customers um, up and down the food chain. What kind of feedback are you getting from them about how this is working for them, how this, you know, uh, what the benefits are mm -hmm. that they're seeing, again, at that business level. And then if you have any feedback from the individuals who are benefiting from this, um, what kind of feedback are you getting? So the first piece is always going to be retention, right? <laughs> retention and engagement. And that's something that we've always measured. Of course, in this particular moment in history, um, retention is less of the focus and it's more about um, compliance. It's about how can I ensure that there's a really consistent set of knowledge across my workforce. So the feedback that we get from customers is uh, incredibly positive. It's this uh, feeling and this, um, this confidence that consistent messaging and consistent training is being delivered to the workforce. And, and by the way, um, the training that we delivered um, just for COVID, for example, is all sourced from CDC and WHO websites and built in partnership with the industry. So everything we're doing is we're ensuring that we're delivering up-to-date information, knowing that these things are changing minute to minute, and it's super hard to keep up with it. Um, so this is helping businesses uh, ensure that their workforce is staying safe, and it's helping them build customer trust. We get lots of feedback from customers saying, you know, it's a really scary time to be operating, but we feel uh, more comfortable doing so, knowing that we can tell our customers that we are taking care of our employees, taking care of the health and safety of our community, and ensuring that when they uh, walk into our unit or when they purchase online from us that they are going to feel safe. Um, and then the same goes for the individuals that were training. We'll get text messages because that's how we communicate with folks um, thanking us and thanking their employer. People are, are, we're in this really uncertain time and the best thing that you can arm your workforce with is knowledge, whether that's English training so that your team can communicate better with one another or whether it's uh, COVID safety, ensuring that folks just feel safe going to work every day. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for having confidence, the confidence of knowledge when you're yeah. on the job. Um, you know, before I let you go, um, regarding, and this is specifically um, revolving around the English language training. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you can give people an idea of the kinds of issues that occur when it people with limited mastery of English are working in the industry um, for both the brands employing them as well as the workers themselves. What are those issues that they're having um, that are holding them back, I guess? You know, the issue that holds an, an, any individual back if they don't speak English as their first language, which by the way, just happens to be the, the common language in the industry. It could have been anything, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it just so happens that it's English. Um, is you know, The one thing that's gonna hold anybody back is the ability to um, connect, receive feedback, and be able to deliver their own um, 
you know, ideas and preferences to their managers and their colleagues. So the, the, the barrier to entry to the food service industry is quite low, right? We, we've known this for forever. This is, it was my first job. Um, it, it's often everybody's first job. But what's preventing anybody who speaks English as their first language from moving up, who doesn't speak English as their first language from moving up, is the ability to move up. Um, this is about mobility. It's about um, being able to um, express preferences and um, connect with your colleagues. And when you can't even say a simple phrase, it can be um, you know, detrimental to your um, career options. Absolutely. And I think one thing to add there is that what we know just from our own internal statistics is that um, 60% of the of our users of our English training users have attempted to take an English class or to try to take an, an, an ESL course online and have stopped and that's because the training wasn't relevant to their job or it's because they had um, you know if they chose to take an on-site class they had transit issues or a second job or changing schedules so there's a huge benefit to being able to take an English training course online that's flexible, that's relevant to the job that you're doing, and that immediately connects you with your manager uh, and your colleagues um, every day. And the benefits for brands um, are are obvious in mm -hmm. that. Um, just in, if you think of the, the U.S. restaurant scene and how it's been... Um, influenced by cultures from around the world. Um, oh, if we had to do without that, we would be, it would be a much different place, wouldn't it? Yeah, and you know, this particular moment, I think has reminded everyone how important it is, uh, businesses having the ability, the technology, the resources to build connective tissue between managers and employees. Without that, especially in these times that are so, um, unpredictable and uncertain um, can can be the difference between somebody feeling um, good about their job and not. So um, it's about connectivity, it's about communication, and it's about um, you know sustainability. Well, Rachel, I want to thank you for all this great information today about an even greater tool for this industry. And those who want to work in it, as well as the brands they work for. It's such an important service all the way around. Um, I, I do appreciate you all being there. And uh, another important service to the restaurant industry revolves around great flavors and the menu items offered. Up next, one of the top providers of some of those flavors, Custom Culinary, joins the show to talk about what restaurateurs need to know about flavors and menu creation today when takeout and delivery have become such important business lifelines for QSR operators. Stay with us. All right, now we are back this time with one of the professionals from food service culinary flavor provider, Custom Culinary, which many listening know for the company's assortment of sauces, bases, gravies, and flavoring systems. 
And today, Custom Culinary Senior Manager, Customer Marketing, Kim Letizia, joins the show. Tell us how to craft a workable menu for the specific demands of food that has to travel via brands' increasingly important takeout and delivery programs. So welcome, Kim, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's our delight. And I believe you also have some experience on the operator side, heading innovation at Culver's, and now you consult on menu strategy at Custom Culinary, correct? Correct. Well, let's just start by having you tell us a little more about some of the key things operators need to consider when crafting a takeout or delivery program. You know, I think that consumers are increasingly becoming more aware of food safety. So there's a couple things that we're seeing kind of pop up um, to both, uh, you know, feeding into consumers' emotional needs and, um, and their needs around, you know, around safety and indulgence. So things like contactless delivery, um, tamper-proof packaging are a couple things that we're seeing operators really take in and run with to be able to ease consumers' minds around the safety of, of their food. But when we get into the offerings themselves, we're seeing a lot of operators really pivot towards um, different formats that aren't um, typically in their core portfolio. So an example recently is Chick-fil-A, who recently came out with a, um, you know, a family meal to go um, that was almost a little bit more Italian-inspired. So a little bit different than I would say their core, but something that that keys into this, um, you know, need for for comfort foods and um, indul indulgence that we're seeing consumers wanting more of. Well, now obviously, COVID nineteen has made us all super aware of safety and sanitation. So, how can operators be sure their delivery programs are addressing those concerns? You know, I think that it really starts from the, the bottom up. I mean, we're seeing a lot of operators really have more communication proactively around what their, what their cleanliness and sanitation standards are um, behind, you know, the scenes. So we're seeing a lot more transparency kind of coming about as a result of the current environment, um, which I think can only help in the long run as well when you look to establish those long-term relationships. Um, so thinking of, you know, kind of talking about the standards that you're, you have around cleaning uh, are, are definitely, you know, first and foremost. But then beyond that, when you get into a lot of the different steps that go into creating the food, packaging it, um, and ultimately getting it to the, to the end consumer, um, you know, things like tamper-proof packaging are becoming um, increasingly more important and to provide a sense of comfort. Um, because when you think about what's happening with third-party delivery, a lot of times once the food leaves the door, the operator doesn't have so much control over, how, over it between then and when it arrives at, at the guest. So, um, so that provides a little bit more peace of mind. Another thing that we're seeing is an increase in a lot of this um, contactless delivery or contactless pickup. Uh, and, and that really is something that especially is, is of interest for Gen Z. Um, who is increasingly becoming a more important demographic in, in the marketplace to be able to reach as well. On the other side, we're actually also seeing millennials um, really increasing their, um, their usage of meal kits and um, these family meals, things like that, to provide them with a little bit of that experience um, that you would get from a restaurant, 
but obviously taken at, at, at home. So if you had to name the top trends right now in takeout and delivery, could you delineate them? Uh, yeah, for sure. So we're seeing, um, uh, like I said, a lot happening within different formats with that multi-server and serving um, family size type off offering, especially geared towards families with kids. Um, we're also seeing the um, kind of resurgence of a little bit of these DIY kits um, or what you might call quarantine projects. Um, so, and an example of that might be like make your own kimchi where we would get a couple of ingredients that you would put together. So it provides a little bit more of an inter interactive activity. Um, we also are seeing that when it comes to some of the flavor trends with, de with delivery, um, and this would be, you know, within delivery and takeout kind of combined, um, consumers are more um, and more looking for comfort foods since the onset of COVID-19. And in fact, we've seen that about a third of consumers are more likely to eat comfort foods since that onset. So, um, so what, what, we're, um, what we're identifying is that when we really get into um, talking about what comfort foods is, that really depends on your background and what you grew up with. And so, um, so you know, while we might have typically thought of, you know, American favorites like, you know, shrimp and grits and mac and cheese and things of that sort, um, you know, pizza and burgers are still very, very highly popular. We're seeing a real big kind of surge in some of these ethnic favorites as well, like pho or ramen or burrito bowls. And in fact, Mexican food overall is one of the most craved cuisines um, since the onset of COVID-19. And I think it really links back to the experiences that, that some of um, these folks, you know, really sought out things that they normally wouldn't, wouldn't make from home. And they are now really craving that authentic experience um, you know, in, in terms of the resurgence um, or demand for some of these cuisines like Asian and Mexican. It's all, it's all relative, you, it, isn't it? Um, particularly when you talk about something like barbecue, it depends on where you're talking about it. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. What are some of the packaging considerations that operators should take into account? You know, I think a lot of um, the um, the opportunity lies within the, both the vehicle and the way you label it. So thinking about how um, how operators are putting things together, if you have more um, clear packaging, things where you can see through it, um, the ability to very clearly label what's inside of that of each item, that allows you to kind of double check and make sure that each uh, each one of the items within an order is accurate before it leaves the the operation. Um, but also just making sure that you have, you know, things that have a very tight seal. Um, maybe there would be like an increase of um, in individually packed items. So you might keep different things separate, like your sauce from your entree, um, from your side, for example. So making sure that hot foods stay hot, cold foods stay cold, some of the same principles that you would, um, that you would practice um, if a guest was dining inside. Um, but making sure that that, that you're, you have a strong enough packaging that it's going to arrive in um, the best quality possible um, once it gets to the end user. And so that might look different for what, what's suitable for a soup versus what's suitable for fries, where you need to keep something hot for, um, that, you know, needs to let steam come out and keep the item crispy with fries or breaded items um, versus something that has a little bit more moisture to it. Got it. Now, I understand you all have kind of put together a guide for folks 
um, restaurant operators specifically. How can people get their hands on the new custom culinary inspired carry out and delivery guide? Of course, yes. We have a lot of great information that's available on our website, um, customculinary.com. Um, but you can also reach out to one of our sales folks and we'd be happy to kind of provide um, some more customized solutions that's specific to your business and um, appeals to your core gas as well. Um, so you can reach out to, to, to me, you can find me on LinkedIn um, and um, here, here to help anybody because it's a, it's a tough environment we're in right now. And um, you know, there's a lot of it kind of information that's changing from day to day. And where we kind of um, take the helm is, you know, being able to take all that information, um, distill it down into something that's actionable to drive traffic at your establishment. Wonderful. Now, for those looking you up on LinkedIn, it's Kim Letizia, and it's L-E-T-I-Z-I-A, just to make sure you get the right person. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Ah, uh, Kim, thank you so much for this great information around the culinary and flavoring considerations for any restaurant brand's delivery and takeout program. It's an area that all restaurateurs are keenly focused on right now, and I'm sure our listeners got some great ideas today. And that's going to wrap it up for another edition of the QSR Web Podcast. But we can't let you go without thanking you for listening in today. And also wishing you a great rest of the day and great business all the time. Bye-bye now.